Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Shireen Edassam, is here to talk about her new book, Free to Be, a six-week guide to reclaiming your soul. In this conversation today, we talk about so many good things, our hearts, our souls, what is play, what is spirituality, we detangle it so it's not this like woo-woo, mushy-gushy concept that's out there in our language. And Shireen really gives us some practical wisdoms and insights around clearing the clutter in our own minds and bodies so that we can connect to our soul. This is such a nourishing episode, so I welcome you to get comfy and let's get centered. Welcome to the Centered in the City podcast, Shereen. Thank you for having me on your show. I'd love to kick us off by having you share a practice that you do on a daily or daily-ish basis that supports you feeling centered, whatever centered means to you. It's a really, really good question. So I have a daily exercise. I actually have daily, weekly exercises within the book at the end of each chapter, which is a chapter is uh, a week each, and it's a six-week process. So there are daily exercises within the week, but then there's a daily exercise that I have that I call the daily purge. And it's much like, I don't know if you read Julia Cameron's um, The Artist's Way, she has the morning pages where you write three, pa- uh, three pages, stream of thought. And what I noticed, and I did it religiously like 20 years ago, and what I noticed is that not everybody is into writing. Like that's not necessarily their outlet. It, it helps. I, I, I love doing it. But it could be doodling. It could be doing cartwheels, it could be dancing, it could be skipping, whatever activity opens up your heart and mutes your brain as much as possible. So you could be dancing about and be like, I hate my to-do list. I can't stand the fact that I'm, I have to pay my electricity bill. I I keep telling myself that I'm stupid and I know I'm not, you know, whatever it is, just purging, purging. And it doesn't even have to make sense. Like my sentences semi made sense, but like, you could just be word vomit, (laughs) if I may say, 
and minimally six minutes to 10 minutes a day to just clear your slate for the day. And that to me has been huge. I also meditate, but I know that in, in the book, I talk about various forms of meditation because not all of it has to be like lotus position and oming. There's different ways of doing it. So I, I love walking meditations. Uh, I sometimes do swimming meditations when I can love swimming meditations. And truthfully, what it is, is being able to quiet my mind as much as possible. And I could talk about um, ways of doing that, but really reaching in to my inner, inner core, like that inner star that the world can't touch. And that's what I call the soul, call it the seed of the soul. That is, that's truly it. And when I am in that place, I feel very much at peace and very whole. So, and, and it, at this point, it's instantaneous. Like I could go there, I could be in the middle of traffic and I own it out, you know, and I go into that place of, it's like connectedness and awareness without mm -hmm. sounding too woo-woo. Mm -hmm. I love how you articulated that of quieting the mind and going deep into the heart and deep into that place where you connect to your soul, where you connect to your inner knowingness. And obviously you wrote this book, Free to Be, a six-week guide to reclaiming your soul. So tell us a little bit about why it's important for us to do activities like the daily purge to get quiet and listen inwards. You know, there's many reasons, but I would say first and foremost, it's just quality of life. At, at some point in our early years, you, we hear a lot about disassociation. So between zero and seven, some say zero and five, for whatever reason, I mean, you look at a baby, you look at a toddler, and they are so full of life and magic and uniqueness. They're not like trying to be like any other kid they're just themselves and they are alive and they wake up and they're excited about the day and somewhere in the first five seven years we disassociate whether it's because we're scared we want to feel like we belong we don't feel worthy whatever it is we decide to disassociate with who we are our inner core and start grasping from the outside and society just promotes it, right? You get the grades, you get the awards, you get, you know, you're in the popular group and, and, and so forth. And that light that we are born with, that is uniquely, uniquely ours, just diminishes. So the reclamation <laughs> is, is truly a means of reclaiming who you are and living a life that is from the inside out. And I talk a lot about what that means, but truly instead of grasping for things as we often do and competing and, and, and such, finding that place within ourselves that feels fulfilled, that feels whole, regardless of whatever is going on, and living from that place. And you imagine a planet doing that, be a very, very different world. 
Yeah. Oof, I have chills because, you know, one of my missions as a coach and within my center and city community is helping people take these pauses in their day to tune inwards because our gaze is so much and it's trained, as you said, by accolades, by cultural shoulds, by our conditioning to look outwards. And when we just get quiet, when we take that pause to listen and feel and connect to ourselves, how much more intentional we can live outwards. And so I love your vision of like, what would it look like if all humans on this planet were able to do that? Like, yes, please, right? What a, what a hopefully more peaceful planet we would be living and navigating. I'm curious, like, what signs do you feel like people should look for or notice when they're not connected to their soul? Because I feel like a lot of people are walking this planet thinking, I'm doing the things and I'm happy and I'm checking the boxes and I'm, you know, striving in my career and, and things are working well. So things must be, I must be connected to my soul. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great question. You know, I love doing these podcast interviews because you have me thinking, you know, I just, I, I, and I, it's such a really, that's a really great question. And, you know, I say that I know when I am, my biggest marker really is, you know, the, the guardrails is when I'm actually, when I'm off track, I, that's when I know that I'm not in my flow and, and flow is important because it's something that many can associate with flow as in, you know, musicians often say, I'm in my flow. Well, that is their soul singing. That is when everything aligns and they are just moving with it. So there's, there's ways of that's knowing that you are seated within your soul and living from it. When you feel that kind of flow, when you feel lost in creativity, when you feel present playing with your child and you're not thinking about anything or you're cracking up with your partner over a stupid joke, you know, you're there, you're connected, you're present. And it's really, it ends up being confusing because for many, many years, I would say a good decade, I was, well, toward the end, I call it my walking dead years. But I lived a very cushy life. Like I had, we had a gorgeous home, uh, had the friends, had the titles, had the cars, had all of those things. And I felt dead inside and I ignored it. I ignored it for a really long time up until the time I couldn't ignore it anymore and um, had a major breakup. and fell into a massive abyss and like, okay, well, now what? And rediscovering my soul, there is a feeling of wholeness, wholeness. Like I love my partner. I love my children. I love my community, my parents, family, but I don't feel that I need anyone. I don't need anyone in order to feel fulfilled. So any connectedness I have is a gift. It isn't a grasping. It is a coming together and connecting. And that is really huge. So you ask about 
signs, I would say that if you feel that you are grasping for something outside of yourself, and we often are, you know, whether it is, you know, an alcoholic drink, and I, I like my wine, um, you know, or um, grasping for another person, or competing for a position, and all of those are, are frankly okay, if it doesn't come from this space of need, like I'm going to get this thing in order to feel better. You know, if, if you operate in the world, you wake up in the morning and you feel, you feel fulfilled and content and then do all of these things, you know, be with your partner, rocket your, you know, your work and your position, go and buy the gorgeous car you want and all of that. But it isn't in order to fulfill something within you that is missing. And that is, that's the, the, the crucial missing part that most people don't have. And why? Because we've disassociated and we need to go back and reclaim our souls. Yeah. Right. Like how much we can get on the striving train and just keep wanting more and more and more and thinking that is going to fulfill those places within, within us. Um, I know a lot of people who go to shopping, right, or even trip planning because we're looking for those big kind of dopamine hits to help us feel that sense of, of happiness. And so I'm curious, like, where would you recommend somebody begin? Obviously, it seems like it's mapped out in your book beautifully in the six-week guide, yeah. but where would you welcome people begin to even just connect to their soul? So um, uh, it's actually, I, the reason I wrote the book was to make spirituality practical. So people say, follow your bliss or follow your heart and follow your heart is a misnomer, which I could talk about, but follow your bliss, but nobody says how, right? And the issue is that most people don't even know where their soul is, right? So it isn't like, okay, follow your bliss. Well, where is it? What is it? What do I want? You know? And it's this assumption that you know it and that you can somehow follow it. So the first part of the book is all about detoxing and decluttering. And I start with the brain because that is our uh, number one culprit is our mind. Just chat, chat, chat. The Buddhists call it the monkey mind. I call it gremlins. They just love it. They just, you know, it's, they have, so 85% of our thoughts are negative, 95% or 80% and 95 percent are repetitive so the majority of our thoughts are negative and they repeat and then we have content coming at us 24 7 and so you can imagine this kind of like and a lot of that is negative right so it becomes like this washing machine of negativity and we don't get out of it so the first week is all about decluttering uh the mind then the Second week is, is all about clearing the heart and taking care of the heart. And I could talk more about that. And the third week is cleansing, detoxing the body and not necessarily in the ways that we often think, but 
redefining our relationship with our bodies as the only vessel that we have is I, I call it our Uber ride through life, you know, so there's a relationship to be had and we often don't have that and tend to abuse our bodies one way or another, whether it's through thought or what we do with it. So once those things are clear and you actually have, I went to a retreat and the, the leader of that retreat would say, clear your runway. If you have, if you are on a plane, there is no way that plane is going to take off or land if there's crap in the runway, right? So clear the runway so you can actually be able to see, be able to sense. Because if your soul and most people's soul is hidden way, way down and neglected for many, many years, they're, they're not going to find it within, you know, like just one ohm session. So it's right. in the process of that, the, that you get re-in-touch with your true self, your inner star, and then live from it. And the second chapter is once you've done that, all the things, not the second chapter, second part is what you end up doing with it. I'm a huge advocate of play, which I could also talk about. So that's the fourth uh, chapter and fourth week. Fifth is finding your true north. And the sixth is rewriting your story, but rewriting a story from your core. First, finding your raison d'etre, <laughs> your reason for, for living and then, and then living from it. So how's that for a very long answer to your short question? And that was beautiful. And yeah, and how important it is to just even begin with the decluttering, I think is a, is a huge piece. And sometimes that ends up being, that ends up taking a while. You know, I don't think it's just a, a, a long weekend, right? Where you can envision like cleaning out your closet. Oh, okay, I'm ready for the next season. It's like, no, it, there are layers to it. And so to, to uh, call that process out, it sounds like in such a comprehensive way that you have in your book is very, it's a very beautiful process. What would be the definition? Like, how do you discern or talk about soul being different from intuition? Mm, that's really good. I don't, I, you know, I don't actually believe that soul is really different from Intuition in that I believe that intuition springs from one soul. I think intuition and fear are often um, very hard to distinguish. Am I, am I beginning to panic about something or is this my gut saying, don't do this, you know? Um, so I think that is worth finding out. Um, and the way I know that is, frankly, depending on, on how fast my heart is racing, you know, if it's racing a lot, I, it's my, the amygdala speaking like, you know, you're in danger, even if you're not in danger. If it comes from a place of resolve that feels absolute, like a hell yes, that's when I know that it is my gut, like you just know it, it feels right, whether it's, you know, a, a decision you need to make or a new person who's walked into your life, you just have that, you know, you just know. Um, I also think that there's a difference between spirit and soul. And I talk about that in the book as well. 
and I think that the, the whole idea of spirituality, I think overall needs to be defined and I could talk about that, but the soul is uniquely ours. Like you have a soul that 8 billion plus other people on this planet do not have. Your soul is uniquely yours. No one else has it. Whereas in spirit is the, the, the collective energy, whatever you want to call it, higher power, God, Jesus, Allah, whatever it is, it is what, it's the universal energies. And spirituality truly is the dance between one's soul and the spirit. That is it. Ooh, I love that definition of spirituality. For me, spirituality is this just connection to energy that's all around us in Mother Nature, in in the air. We can feel the energy off of each other, like that sense of just vibration. And, And so I love that idea of like our inner soul dancing with this external energy that's swirling around us. But it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it's just this sort of, and there's all sorts of studies also um, at the risk of sounding really woo-woo, but there are all sorts of studies that are molecular makeup is no different than the stars. So we are literally stardust. And I, I, I don't make this poop up. I mean, you could Google it, <laughs> you know, then it's like, huh. Okay. Well, that's pretty amazing. What else is going on? Right. And it's like, oh yeah, we're not that much different from all these other living beings, trees and, you know, and other humans to really feel that sense of all connectedness. You talked about the heart a moment ago and, Mm -hmm. and cleansing the heart. And I'm curious to hear a little bit more about what that means for you. So the heart, I I think that we often assign the wrong tasks to our different body parts. (laughs) It's not even body parts because like, is it truly the heart that feels or is it just pumping blood through your veins, you know, or is it the mind that truly thinks of the mind? it actually is um but we make a lot of decisions that should be rational and we make it emotionally i mean they say that the majority of um decisions are are emotional but we we mix it up we you know something that really needs to be uh thought out rationally should not be something that we decide, uh, you know, spur of the moment, you know, or something that really is emotional and we try to deal with it rationally. And the heart is truly your inner child. It's, it's your, your puppy, you know, all the heart wants, all the heart wants is to be loved, to be cared for, to be seen, to be acknowledged. That is it. Just love it. Give it but we end up, you know, like follow your heart. Then, you know, my heart wants ice cream right now and wants a nap and another hour and is pissed off about something else another hour. You know, it's like, don't follow your heart. 
It's your soul that knows. Your heart, just be really, really good to it. And we often aren't, you know, so there's this one section where I talk about the people that we have in our lives and what we should do with them. I'm very, very selective now of who I invite in. In my 20s, there was no way. I would just be like, oh, you want to party? Okay, <laughs> let's go, you know? And I have these, um, I have the, this qualifier, I suppose, uh, process that I call taser, shield, filter, or hug. So there are people who should not be in your life. They're super toxic and need to be tasered the F out of your life. <laughs> That's just, and you need to make that choice and not feel guilty about it and do it. Wish them well, send them their way. Then there's shield in that there's people, whether it be your, your mom who you can't really get along with or an ex that you have to co-parent with or a boss that you can't stand, but you have to stay in that job. That's when you create major boundaries and you keep them. So that's the shield category. The filter category is like, just don't overshare with everybody. Not everybody's your people. You know, so don't go and, you know, sit on the bus and, well, maybe to a stranger, but somebody who somewhat knows you, you know, and you have that, you see that on social. I mean, sometimes I read it and I just cringe. I'm like, I don't know what else is going on in your life. So I'm getting like a tiny little bit, you know, and I'm really sorry that your car broke down and your neighbor was being an ass and, you know, but like, so that's filter. And then hug is your tribe. It's those people who belong at your table and those people like they've earned a seat as Brene Brown says and um you know and I have I have six people and I have a lot of friends but that that's my inner tribe and they can call me on stuff um and I call them regarding many things and it could be at 2 a.m where i'm just like i need you right now and they are there and i'm there for them so hope that answers her <laughs> yeah so that's that that's that's the heart is is really being able to care for the heart and setting parameters oh and then i i also talk about feelings you know there's the we have uh, you know the basic feelings and I talk about how the basic feelings act as like the RGB of your TV. Like you need to be able to combine them to live a technicolor life. Otherwise it would be super dull. So talk a little bit about that as well. But the heart is really, really important. It's just that we shouldn't task it with things that it can't do. Mm, I love that call out of don't go follow your heart. Like where our heart is, it's like follow your soul take care of your heart and then right. the many ways that we can take care of our heart. And I know for me, I had my first visceral awareness after I was diagnosed with cancer and going through chemotherapy. I was so sensitive physically and emotionally and mentally that paying attention to people's energy was so essential that there were certain friends that I was like, I do not like I could feel my body cringe and and kind of curl 
in protection mode. And I was like, I don't have the energy to, to do that right now. And, and that feels toxic in my space. And so I really had to cut some friends out and, and that was a first awareness of like, oh, I have the power to pay attention to who do I want in my life and who do I not want in my life. And it can be hard to do that, but it's so um, empowering when you can articulate it and put it into practice. Do you feel like there's the, a way that your heart and your soul communicate? Or are they separate entities? I think they're definitely separate entities, but I do think that there's a connectedness. There is some, I, I did the Hoffman process um, right before I met my wife and um, like five months before, five or six months before. And, and it was perfect because it was during that time that I really, really got that I am a tribe onto myself. <laughs> And they talk about the quadrinity, which is a combination of your mind, your heart, your body, um, and your soul. And, um, and I fully believe that you need all to feel truly fulfilled and they have to partner together. So the, the heart and soul are always talking with one another as I believe the heart and mind are very much so. And the heart really needs to push back on the mind whenever needed. And uh, the, the mind needs to trust the, the heart to lead at times when the mind needs to shut the F up. <laughs> so I, they are definitely in partnership with one another, but I do think that they are different entities within us. I mean, if you think about the tribe of us, then, then there you are with your, with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your body. The collective. Well, and hopefully connecting with spirit or your higher power and such. So, mm. which mm -hmm. actually makes you feel kind of like, okay, you know, like, wow, the, the, the tribe of me, you yeah. know, the team's all here. I've got it inside of me. Yeah. After you go through the six week process, which I'm sure can take even more time again for people, but after you go through this beautiful process you've created and you feel more connected to your soul, how do we get to remember? Because it's so hard in our world, right? As these constant outputs and noise that we have in our society are pulling at us and distracting us, how do we remember our soul? Like, how do we keep that connection and keep strengthening it? Another great question. So spiritual wellness, spiritual health, like any other health wellness practice needs to be practiced. So, and it, it's interesting because no one goes to the gym once a month or once every three months and be like, oh yeah, I, I got this. I now have the body that I want, right? They know for sure that you have to go and do the work and build those muscles. And it's the same exact with spirituality. It's the same if you go to a therapist. I don't know. You might go to therapist once and have an aha moment, but that's just the beginning. So, so 
it's in the practice of it. If you are, you know, going to a weekend retreat or going to yoga classes and drinking your pressed juices, and again, all that is really great, but it doesn't add up to spiritual wellness. So spiritual wellness needs to be practiced as you're doing the dishes, as you're doing your homework, as you're sitting at your desk at work, as you're driving your kids to school and somebody cuts you off. That is spiritual health in, in practice. So practical spirituality, I suppose you could call it. I love that you mentioned that because it is not a box to be checked off, right? And how I think we get conditioned to think, oh yeah, I'm going to go to the gym once and like get my six pack abs, right? <laughs> and, uh, but that it's consistency is the key. So to stay connected to our souls, we really have to put that intention and that time in to build that spiritual wellness practice. Well, and I, I surmise also, you know, it took me obviously longer than the six weeks, though I've had, I've done the process with a few, quite a few people now. So I know that it works and, and they love it. And it isn't, you know, again, the last thing I want is people to do those six weeks and be like, wow, I got spirituality down. It's a, a really good primer. It's a really good way to clear your slate and be on your way. And truly, after six months, I truly believe that you can redesign your life from a very different place if that's what you choose to do. But it truly is in the the day-to-day -day practice of it that you reap the benefits and that just is unending it's a journey you know we, we joke about you know it's a, it's a it's not a journey from here to there it's a journey from here to here because every day is is a journey which doesn't mean that you are grasping for new things it just means that you are ever evolving and unfolding which is gorgeous yeah i want to ask about play because i think yeah. a lot of my listeners can yeah. relate to this and i know you brought this up earlier my listeners tend to be very driven very ambitious go-getters mm -hmm. and so the idea of play it sounds delightful, but probably is hard to think about even what does that mean or what does that look like as an adult or there's maybe too much ego that kind of gets in the way of feeling like they have full permission to play and be silly and not kind of hold the adult to-do list in their forefront. So yeah. yeah, talk to us about play. How can we play more? I know I could use this right now too, let's be honest. Yeah, so... um yeah, they say, I'm, I'm trying to remember who said the quote, but um, say that the opposite of play isn't boredom, it's depression. And I really believe that. I think that one of the best ways of, once you've gotten in touch with your inner core, your inner star, what I call your soul, the easiest way of letting it fly free is to play. And somewhere along the line, we stop playing, right? We're, we're kids and we're out there, we're in the playground, we have, and it is completely 
there there's no goals attached to it i mean i was watching as we were in florida recently and i'm watching these kids and i just wanted to without you know freaking out their parents and i didn't do it but i wanted to go in there and play with them because they were so into it and they were methodical and they each had different roles and all of that and they were connected and I was just like, oh my God, this is it right here. I actually took a photo of them because I was just like, I need to like, you know, look at it. And play means different things to different people. In the book I explained, there's actually eight different personality types, eight different play personality types. So what might be play to you may not be play for me. What we've considered play because, you know, it's considered childish and, and all of that. How we play is usually like go to bars and meet up with friends, which includes alcohol or go to Vegas and whatever we do in Vegas has to stay in Vegas. That's not the play that I'm, I'm talking about. You know, I'm, I mean, literally getting on a swing, skipping down the street. My, one of my biggest forms of play, which also ends up being meditative for me, depending on how I do it and when I do it, is dancing. Like I put on house music or disco and dance my butt off. I used to do that when I was running a, um, a series for, for Discovery. I used to do that as well. We'd had a disco ball. And if it became too stressful, I would make everybody stop, put on disco and just feel out the, the vibes. And I'm like, and I would so look good. at it. I'm like, feeling 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 the shift and then when I felt it and it would last you know sometimes it would last like 20 minutes sometimes it would be less and it would shift the entire energy so I actually believe that we have so much stress and strife in our lives because we don't allow ourselves to play and I talk about all the various different forms of playing depending on your personality type and you could be a combination of a few you know and there's ones that just don't resonate like there's one that's called the director which is I mean I'm very good at taking care of things and to-do lists and all of that but that's not a play for me whereas in some people actually really enjoy like organizing um, events and such that that sets them free so so you have to kind of, you customize, but the, the biggest factor is that you do, a, you do play for play's sake, not because, oh, well, I'm going to, I need to go for a run anyway, so I'm going to make that my play activity. No, you're running, you're running, <laughs> right? You're not playing. So enjoy the run. Yeah. Enjoy right. the movement. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I really, I feel like I'm at a place in my life where I can't, I can't afford not to, not to play because it is so tied in with my vitality. And I frankly feel like it makes me more productive. It makes me more, feel more connected. And, and I, and I love it too. I, I will literally, there's a swing that is, um, is so gorgeous. It basically, it's, I, I live in Marin and it's in Tiburon and it's overlooking the bay and it is, you swing and you basically go into the bay, <laughs> you come back and it is, oh, so beautiful. I so love it. So love it. But I play, I play, I used to play with my kids. Now they're teens and, you know, 
it's, it's a different world. I play with my puppy, you know, I play with my um, wife all the time. And I mean, she's like badass wine executive and we can play at a moment's notice. I appreciate you highlighting the vitality-ness of play because it is like an, in essence, right? When you see animals in nature playing, like it's part of just that sense of, of connection with living beings and how our minds hijack us away from that and put us in the to-do list or put us in the productivity assembly line and take us out of that. You're inspiring me to go play this afternoon. The sun is out here in Seattle. And Shereen, this has been so amazing. Where can people learn more about you and stay connected to your work and your book? Well, thank you for asking. So the book comes out June 20th, but it is available for pre-order now. And it's on a variety of platforms. Uh, easiest is probably Amazon. Barnes and Noble has it. And, and once it does come out, it'll be in a lot of independent bookstores, which makes me very happy. All of my social presence relating to the book and transformational work is Shireen Adesam, just my name, my first name and my last name, shereenadesam.com. My TikTok and um, Instagram are also Shireen Adesam. So Amazing. Well, congratulations. I can't wait for this book to be out in people's hands and hearts and most importantly, souls. And um, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I welcome you to just take a breath with me in this moment. Let all of that amazing insight and wisdom just settle. And I welcome you to check in with yourself and notice, huh, what am I most curious to sit with and explore? Maybe it's to play more and explore what does play look like and feel like for me? We have some fun journal prompts and centered in the city around the theme of play. If you want to check them out, I'll link those in the show notes and you can sign up for your seven day free trial and have access to them. Or are you noticing, ha, huh, I'm really curious to do some decluttering because I'm feeling off track. Or maybe you're noticing, ha, huh, I, I want to offer myself more pauses in my day to get out of my head and enter into more of my heart and connect to my soul. So whatever's resonating with you, I welcome you to just notice it with a lot of curiosity. And if you're interested in taking some action, maybe you want to buy Shireen's book and begin the six-week guided exploration. Maybe you want to sign up for Centered in the City and have some support integrating some mindfulness practices into your daily life. Or maybe you're wanting some more one-on-one transformational support on decluttering your life and really connecting to your bliss and your soul. You can sign up for a one-on-one coaching connection call. We can explore what living your most authentic and grounded life gets to look like. So if you're interested, all of those resources will be in the show notes. And thank you as always for being here. 
Until next time, stay centered.